This is Zealous, an in-depth look behind the scenes of legal matters straight from the attorneys of Gimbel, Riley, Garen, and Brown. Welcome to Zealous. I'm your host, Brianna Meyer, and this is the place to immerse yourself in the legal world. Today, I'm talking with Josh Gimbel and Christopher Hayden about licensing. Josh is a partner at GRGB and joined the firm in 2013 after a long partnership at Milwaukee-based Michael Best and Frederick. Josh's practice focuses on commercial and corporate litigation, all areas of land use and zoning, real estate, and municipal law. Josh is also passionate about giving back. He is the former chair of the Jewish Home and Care Center Foundation and is also a member of the Greater Milwaukee Committee. Josh serves as chair as the Milwaukee Bar Association Foundation and volunteers monthly at the Milwaukee Justice Center, providing brief legal advice to pro se litigants in Milwaukee County. Chris is an associate at the firm. Prior to joining GRGB, Chris was a law clerk and attorney at a suburban Milwaukee law firm. He quickly developed a civil litigation practice representing individuals and businesses throughout the state of Wisconsin. Chris represents clients in a wide array of civil litigation matters including contract disputes, construction law, and product liability defense. He's a passionate litigator who prides himself on helping clients understand the complex legal issues and obtaining favorable results. I am very close with both Josh and Chris. Josh and I volunteer together and share a love of the Milwaukee Bucks, and Chris and I graduated from law school together, and I was so excited when he joined the firm. Josh and Chris work closely on many cases, including licensing matters. Many people hear licensing and automatically think of a driver's license, but that's not what we're talking about here. In this episode, we're diving into business licenses, obtaining and maintaining them to keep your business alive. We can jump right in. A lot of people have business ideas and they wanna jump in and open up and operate immediately and they don't understand that typically you have to get various approvals from the city or town that you're in in order to operate. And that's where you guys come in. So let's start with the absolute basics. Who needs a business license? Basically, almost any business that is run in any municipality will need some sort of license. So whether it's a bar, whether it's a convenience store, whether it's um, uh, all sorts of things. I mean, there's very, very... Oh yeah, I mean, there's some obscure ones, ice cream peddlers, um, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, Resellers. Yeah, odds are you need a license, uh, and particularly if you're doing anything in a brick-and-mortar location, uh, first step is always going to be getting that occupancy permit in place. And one of those types of licenses, for example, a food license. A lot of people might think, well, I'm not a restaurant, I don't need a food license, but that's not true. Certainly in, in Milwaukee, if you're selling anything with an expiration date on it, you're going to have to have a food license in order to operate. So whether it's a dollar store or a pick and save mm -hmm. or even a convenience store at a gas station, you're going to need a, a food license in order to operate. Yeah, I think that surprises a lot of people. And it's, I mean, I'm not a, a business owner, but it's not something that would come to the front of my mind right away. How, so someone says, I want to open a business. I need to get licenses. Where do they start looking at what they need? Usually you start with the ordinances for whatever municipality you're in. Um, 
each different municipality is going to have different rules in place for what type of licenses you need. Um, and those are all kind of under the umbrella of what the state dictates that you need. So if you're dealing with some of these smaller cities, um, they might not have all the licensing uh, hoops to jump through that a larger city like Milwaukee or Madison would have here in Wisconsin. Uh, but there would be certain things you need to apply to the state to get those licenses in place. And it must be pretty difficult for people to figure out unless they have someone like one of you guys walking them through it. Yes, well, we, we come in usually when uh, an application has already been made and that they need some help going through the uh, committee structure that most municipalities have. So we can render the best legal advice to them when it comes to uh, already having a game plan. You know, they want to start a business, they want to get a license, and then they want to get through the uh, bureaucracy. That's where we come in and we, we work out the best for them. Yeah, I think that a lot of people look at lawyers and don't realize that a lot of times you've got to go through the political side of things too. It's not just the legal side of everything. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that we try to do with all of our clients on the licensing side is get them in touch with their local aldermen, start building those relationships. Obviously, Josh has been at this a lot longer than me, so he has quite a bit more political capital. Um, but when him and I are working together, we obviously try to get those connections in place and uh, it just makes it easier every step of the process if the alderman knows who you are, uh, they're familiar with your application, um, and they know, you know they have a history with you. So when they have to go present their testimony, uh, it's always great to have that alderman say, this is a great person, this is a great business, we'd really like to see him in the city. I know that every municipality is gonna be different with how they go through the approval process, but let's talk about Milwaukee. Someone's got their application, what can they expect in trying to get that approved? Well, it depends on, on which kind of license it is. Obviously, a liquor license is more difficult to get uh, because they're, uh, they don't like to have a great density of, of uh, liquor licenses in various aldermanic districts, so that sometimes is more problematic. Uh, but by and large, uh, the first step once you've uh, gotten your application place is to uh, make sure that uh, that the alderman or the, the local municipal leader is on your side for the matter. Absolutely. Um, and then from there, once you have your application in place, if there's any questions, you'll be looking at uh, potential hearings in front of, at least for Milwaukee, uh, the Licenses Committee, um, where you'll have a chance to present your evidence. Uh, if anybody's objecting to your license application, they'll have a chance to present their evidence, and that's where it really comes in to try to get the alderman on your side. If the alderman's against you and you're going into that licenses committee, uh, you have your work cut out for you in trying to convince the actual members of the committee in voting in your favor, um, because they generally default to whatever that alderman thinks is best for their district. So that, that's where it comes in, having the, the good relationship with that alderman uh, before you even get to that process. Uh, from there, they'd put it up to a vote. Uh, hopefully that vote goes in your favor where they would recommend approval uh, of your application. If not, they'd recommend uh, denial and you'd head toward the Common Council here in Milwaukee, which would be a vote of all the different alders. Um, and again, you'd have a chance to present, I think they give you five minutes to present your case, uh, and then they'll make a final vote as to whether to uh, approve or deny your application. The, the, the good thing is, though, even if you've lost at uh, the committee stage, there is still a chance, like uh, Chris mentioned, to get in front of the full committee in order to be heard. And sometimes you're able to uh, 
uh, between the last licensing committee meeting and the common council meeting convince that alder that this is a good use and that the constituents do want this type of license holder in that area and often a floor can be uh, a vote can be made from the floor to change it from a no vote to a, a yes vote but of course if you lose chris and i are prepared to help uh, if litigation is necessary to bring an action against the municipality if we feel that they have uh, not acted uh, appropriately for that license exactly you guys take it a step further from just going through the approval process and dealing with the city council but i mean you're not afraid to file a lawsuit if it comes to that uh, we're definitely not, and particularly uh, the Common Council in Milwaukee is getting very familiar with us um, based off if there is a denial and we believe that it was arbitrary or capricious and that they didn't follow the steps that they needed to, um, we're absolutely prepared to bring a lawsuit to try to fight for our clients to get those approvals in place. Now, the approval process isn't the only time you can be in front of the licensing committee. It's not. Once you get your license, you can't just run wild with it. What are some bumps in the road that can come up when you have your license already? So if you have a license in place, uh, it's usually for a 12-month period, and it is reviewed. And if there are no problems, then aldermen can advance it through the licensing uh, system without having a hearing. However, if there are any sort of police complaints or neighborhood complaints, Oftentimes, you will be brought before the licensing committee at renewal time. And there you have to go in and be prepared to present evidence as to uh, why there should be no action taken against your license despite objections, whether it's police or uh, neighborhood complaints. Absolutely. And that's where we advise our clients to really get involved with the local communities and do everything that they can, uh, particularly if you're one of these types of businesses that isn't always looked favorably upon, whether it be uh, a strip club, something like that. Uh, best thing you can do is get in touch with community advocates because those are the types of people that are going to be objecting to your license renewal. So if you can maintain those relationships, uh, it's extremely helpful come renewal time. So for instance, in, in Milwaukee, you have a lot of what are called bid districts. Those are business improvement districts. If you have a license in an area that has a bid district, it behooves you to become a, a someone that knows about the workings of that group and is a, a positive member of the business community. Definitely agree with that. And something too that can come up, as you guys mentioned, is actual people that live in the district can come and testify. And that is sometimes where things can go off the rails a little bit. Yeah, there's a wild card. You, you don't know who's going to be there at a hearing, a licensing committee hearing. You could have nobody show up or you could have 20 people show up. So. Uh, it often helps to have a lawyer at your side in order to uh, get the most out of or to preclude the most evidence from coming in against the license. Right, because all we know when we go into those hearings is a list of addresses within a certain radius of the business that have been notified of a public hearing. Um, with COVID, it's been a little bit trickier for these types of people to appear because they have to, one, have an internet connection uh, to sit in a waiting room for however long it takes um, and then be able to present their testimony. So we haven't seen as much of that during COVID, um, but in general, it, it is a complete wild card. You don't know what you're walking into as far as who's going to testify, what type of stories they have. Uh, and a lot of times it's our job to try to narrow down what their actual complaint is. And if it's something that's a little bit outrageous, try to 
throw some shade on that and figure out exactly how we can get past it and whether it is persuasive for the committee to actually hear that evidence. And a lot of time these groups are organized too. Josh, we had someone at the initial phase of licensing where it felt like the whole neighborhood showed up and had the exact same message to give at every step of the way. And it took about an hour to get through everybody. I think that was a, more of a, a land use kind of thing. But yes, yeah, we had uh, not in my backyard type of neighbors who mm -hmm. didn't want a driveway to be put in in a certain way to a business uh, group. And uh, we had probably 30 people who signed up against us in that one. We had a very yeah. long night, but ultimately we were unsuccessful at the Board of Zoning Appeals, but we filed a lawsuit. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we were successful in getting that decision overturned. Exactly. And that's why you keep fighting even if the committee doesn't necessarily agree with you. That's, you have to make a good record in order to, to go to the next level. So that's what we try to do for our clients. And a lot of times, too, in these smaller municipalities, you know, the people that are sitting on these committees aren't necessarily lawyers. They don't fully understand the scope of the law. And so to them, they think that they are following what they're supposed to do. But in reality, there's a lot more intricacies that come up. Absolutely. And I think in general, at least for Milwaukee, most of our alders have very good intentions and they're trying to do what's best for the city. But a lot of times they don't necessarily make that clear to Josh and I what their overall vision is. And if, if we're not able to communicate with them and see that clearly, um, we can butt heads a little bit on different issues. But I think, you know, for the most part, these are elected officials. They are the types of people that really want to do well for the community. Um, but it's just trying to find that perfect balance because they do have a lot of power. Uh, I tell everyone that I talk to that this is where if you're voting, you need to vote at the local elections because these are the people that have uh, the most decision-making power when it comes to your individual businesses. And, you know, Josh and I are there if we think that whatever they're doing isn't appropriate uh, or they're overstepping, but at the end of the day, uh, it's building those relationships and trying to make sure that the alders are on your side when you're going through these licenses processes. And as Josh touched on before, it's not just you guys that build these relationships, but the business owners can be proactive about it. I think that's very important for people to know is the more you're involved in the community, the more that you're giving back and the more that you're interacting with people, usually the better. No doubt about it, Bree. It's all about uh, relationships and you should build positive relationships. And it's always better to get bad news before it becomes really bad news. And so if you keep uh, your, your alder apprised of what kind of business you're running and if there are problems, then you, you can at least try to hash them out before it gets to a, uh, a situation where you're brought before licensing. for the definition of the day. We will dive right in. Today we're talking about a demure. Chris Hayden, I think that you picked this word. You want to get us started? Yes, uh, it's kind of a fun one. It's uh, a word that you used to see quite a bit and it's been replaced by motion to dismiss. Essentially what it means is whatever you've alleged is irrelevant. Um, the, even though, even if we pretend like everything you're saying is true, there's no possible way for you to succeed. So we see this in litigation uh, constantly under the motion to dismiss uh, kind of title, but I think other states have maintained that word demur, demur um, and you'll see it in different movies and things like that. Um, so when it comes up, you are looking at that 
motion to dismiss. So when someone files a motion to dismiss, they're really arguing, like I said earlier, that whatever you've alleged is irrelevant. Um, what we see is that a lot of times people file these things to say whatever you've alleged isn't true, and a court can't do anything with that. What the court can do is say, even if everything's true, you still can't win no matter what. So we'll file those motions uh, relatively frequently. It's your first chance to argue uh, if we think that the complaint itself in litigation doesn't state a claim. So in, in reality, it's an antiquated word which uh, preceded my practice when I started <laughs> 34 years ago. So we don't do demurs anymore, but it is a great word. It is, and to borrow from Richard Riley, I think it'd be fun in tavern talk to drop that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play, please advise. All right, we're gonna walk through a couple of scenarios and I want you guys to tell me what you would tell a client that comes in asking about this. Scenario number one, I currently own a local food market with two business partners. One of the partners is listed on all of our licenses. This partner wants to retire and leave the partnership. Do I need to go through the entire licensing process again? So it'll depend on your license, but generally the answer is no. Um, you can simply file a change of agent form in most municipalities. Um, it does depend on if we're dealing with like a liquor license, there might be some more work um, as far as background checks and those types of things. Uh, similar to like a state lottery license, uh, there's just a lot more hoops for people to jump through. And there are those background checks and things that if you are gonna be the license holder, uh, they need that information, so you will have to do additional paperwork. But if you're looking at a simple food retail license, something like that, uh, change of agent form, uh, get that in front of, file that as an application. If there's any pushback on the change of agent, you're going back through those hearing, that hearing process. But in general, we don't see it being an issue, uh, just simply changing an agent. And I think that's something that we should clarify is that when you get a license, it's not necessarily the business itself that has a license. There's a person at the business who's responsible for the license. Right, and that depends on the certain type of business, but generally they want one person that they can point to to be held accountable. Um, so you're not licensing the business itself, it's the agent of the business who's serving as the license holder. All right, scenario number two. I am the CEO of a national business. I received a municipal ticket because someone at one of my local stores sold cigarettes to a minor. What do I do? Can the ticket be changed out of my name? Interesting. I had this situation once, Bree. Um, I figured you'd be an expert. Unfortunately, if, if a citation is issued in your name as the agent for the store, then it's going to run with uh, that person, which is unfortunate. But there are remedies that can be had. Um, there is a program in Milwaukee that... Uh, I think took a hiatus during this COVID time, but it's a, def a deferred uh, plan that you put your um, employees through so that they learn how they do not sell cigarettes to minors. And if you are successful, uh, what happens is the police send out test case, someone that it looks underage, and the question is, do they ask for IDs? If they're successful in, um, in not failing that test two or three times, then uh, oftentimes the city attorney will dismiss these charges. So unfortunately you can't necessarily get your name off of it, but there are ways to uh, 
get rid of this ticket nonetheless. All right, scenario number three. I am the manager and registered agent of a bar on Water Street. And for those who don't know, Water Street is a very popular bar street in Milwaukee. Recently, Have you ever been there? <laughs> once or twice I've been there. Once or twice. Recently, we received notice that our licenses were in jeopardy because one of our bouncers keeps letting in his underage friends. What do I do? So, I mean, there's a couple different levels to this. First is internally. Um, if you've already tried to talk to this employee who's allowing underage people into your business uh, and you're not getting anywhere with that, I think internally you need to look at terminating this person. Um, having received a notice that the licenses are in jeopardy, um, usually that would be coupled with a municipal citation in this instance if, there are, if it is repeated underage uh, violations occurring. So for Josh and I, first thing we want to do is look up any municipal citations um, and then look at any history that the business might have had from a licensing perspective. Um, if they were on like a warning letter from, a years, from years past or uh, have already had a suspension for allowing underage individuals on the premises, uh, those are all things that we need to know and things that we need to try to get ahead of when we're dealing with the alderman in anticipation of a hearing. Um, from there, uh, assuming that there were citations issued and that this is an ongoing problem, uh, we'd ask the business to get in contact with the police department and come up with some type of abatement plan. Uh, that would include, one, how are we going to prevent underage people from entering our business? Uh, and from the internal side of it, if you could say, well, we've terminated this individual, they no longer work here, we don't see that being a problem in the future. Uh, or we've come up with new policies and procedures for IDing. We've got ID scanners, something along those lines. Uh, we'd submit that to the police department, work with the police department to get that approved. And then we have that as another tool kind of in our tool chest when we head to that hearing in front of the licenses committee. So we would say, yes, this has been a problem. We own that. Um, but we've implemented this abatement plan. It's been approved by the police department. Uh, and we haven't had any issues since X date. And that would be the best case scenario. Uh, worst case would be that we've submitted an abatement plan and that we're still seeing minors on the premises and then, then we're arguing on behalf of the license holder to try to keep their business afloat. Uh, but our, we don't have good facts in that situation. Along the lines of these fake IDs, obviously as technology gets better and better, fake IDs become more and more realistic and almost harder to tell. Does that play a role at all when you're making these arguments to the city? Sadly, it really doesn't. I mean, you're responsible for what happens. And uh, one thing I just clarify with Chris is that, that the agent's always going to be responsible for the actions of their doorman, their bartenders, whoever they might be. So it all falls back on the agent who's on the license. And so it's behoo it behooves them to have uh, systems in place that uh, reduce the risk of these types of things occurring. Right, be hyper vigilant because it's, it's your butt that's on the line when you're the agent. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time and sitting down with me. I sure learned a lot about licenses and I'm sure the listeners did too. Um, this was absolutely fantastic. Well, thanks for having us, we enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Brick. Thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Zealous. This series is brought to you by Gimbel, Riley, Garen, and Brown, located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you think you need a lawyer, 
contact us at grgblaw.com. Tune in for our next episode where we talk public versus private representation with Associate Cameron Weitzner. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode of Zealous.